podcaster. I hardly know her. (laughs) Meet Megan Bryant. She's an entrepreneur, a single mom of four young kids, a comedian, a super energetic improv trainer, and an award-winning author. Megan is passionate about creating happier, healthier human connections through humor. This podcast dives into all sorts of topics that tackle personal growth, professional strategies, and sharing positive messages to build up the communities around us. Each of us can make an impact. So keep in mind that you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. Thank you for tuning in. This is the I Hardly Know Her podcast. And here's your host, Megan Bryant. Hey, 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 guys, this is a fun episode. It actually, uh, I had the idea of doing a virtual book club um, when I was looking for some recommendations for some new personal development books. I totally love reading all about the types of things that make us tick as humans and understand more about what I can do to be a more effective Megan. And so I did a post to call out anybody who wanted to join me on a virtual book club to share a book that was really profound to them in some way. And so that's what we have here. We all connected on a Saturday morning via a Zoom web conferencing call. So there is a little bit of background noise here and there, so pardon that, but this was pretty cool to bring six people together and capture some excellent uh, nuggets for personal development uh, in this fun capacity. So if any of you guys are stir crazy, maybe check out a book or two that you pick up some insights from, from this week's episode. All right. Welcome to this special edition of the I Hardly Know Her podcast, where I have invited some really cool friends to join me in um, a book club virtually, where we're going to talk about personal development books that we've um, read uh, and some highlights and insights that we've taken away from those. And so I'm going to do a quick little introduction of each of my uh, colleagues in personal development and where I've crossed paths. I, as I love, actually, I'll start it off with this. One of my favorite things in the world of personal development is a thing called Strengths Finders. It is a quiz that you can take online that tells you what your strengths are and how you function as a person. And one of my top five strengths is connectedness and also strategic is in my top. And so I commonly find myself like pulling from my resources and friends and acquaintances to um, like heighten my own life experience. And I'm always looking for those connections. So just to be on the same call of people that are from um, really different backgrounds um, and, and why I, where I met them is really kind of an exciting thing to just see that we all culminated in this space together to share our thoughts on personal development. So up first, we have a, a repeat guest. She's a really good friend of mine. Brooke Lacey has been on the podcast a couple of times uh, for various reasons. Um, we finally met in person about a year-ish ago after she cyber-stalked me for many years prior. <laughs> um, she admittedly uh, it was a little creepy there for a bit. No, uh, but we actually have a lot of um, similar interests as far as just being really bold with who we are as individuals. She has a podcast about um, disrupting the stigma around mental health issues. Um, that's called Disrupting Stigma, right? I think it's actually the current name. Uh, and she's also a technology guru. 
um, has owned um, computer repair shops and does just all sorts of things in the technical world um, and just a, a, a joy to have in my life. So that's uh, guest number one. Up next is my friend Wendy Alexander and we first met um, I'm like, ooh, this is gonna jog my memory a little bit. We first met at a group of, like a women's group called the Zenas. Oh. We were building our business strategies and collaborating. And the, I think my very first time there, Wendy was speaking. She was doing her speaker segment and she is a real estate wizard and also just the type of person who wants to put a lot of really positive, uplifting things out into the world. She um, does a really fun thing with lunchbox wisdoms, um, notes, basically love notes on sticky notes that are motivational quotes, sometimes a little bit snarky, sometimes a little bit, you know, fun and keeping us uh, thinking about what we can do with our day um, and to not take life so seriously. And we became fast friends from that first initial meeting. Um, then next up, Leslie Brown. Now, Leslie and I came across each other. I'm going to see if I get this right. I feel like we came across each other in the space of the Women Ignite grouping of people, which is a local, local to me, Idaho, like a Boise, Idaho based women's conference that is an annual event. That's where we first met, right, Leslie? Yeah, I think it was just through a lot of mutual friends and then yeah. Somehow we became friends on Facebook and then you had an event where you won a happy hour or something. And oh, I yeah. went to that and I think that's where we first met like face to face. And I remember going thinking, I don't even really know this girl. I don't know why I'm going like, this is so weird, but then it ended up being super fun. So perfect. I think Brooke was at that event too. And then I remember you also came out and karaoke with me one night. So yes, we sang karaoke. That was so fun. I love it. Cool. Um, then Katie Gaga. Okay, here's a really great story. Sometimes we have to push ourselves right into the face of fear. And one of my biggest insecurities is around confidence with my, my, my own body, my strength, my just in being in touch with my own sensuality. Like I've really struggled with that in my whole life probably comes from my roots of growing up as a Mormon. Uh, you know, just, there's a lot of things to unpack there. But one day I thought, I heard some friends actually say they signed up for a pole dancing class. And I was like, oh my gosh, sign me up. And it was the scariest thing I'd thought of in a long time. And it has been possibly top five most rewarding experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, and so Kate is the um, owner of Ascension Pole and dance, um, also here in Boise, Idaho. And it is an experience beyond what I would have thought because it's so much of a mental game and it's also so much different with the way the physicality is um, that it really has given me a little bit more of a spring in my step in just how I move, move through life. And um, so, yeah, an, an amazing personality and the women that are there every time is just like so, supportive and awesome. And so it's a treat for me to have Kate E. Gaga is, uh, as a guest on today's um, podcast. So, um, and last but not least, Jared Stoll. 
Now, I have known Jared since 2006, when I very first started improv. Um, my older brother invited me to come do an improv, whatever, be part of an improv group. And I didn't have any idea what he was talking about. And I showed up to Jared and his wife, Nicole's house on a Saturday morning and all the furniture was pushed to the side and there was a big mountain of shoes at the doorway and a whole group of adults were playing improv games. And I was like, what in the heck is going on here? It was so wild. Um, and we have been friends ever since we've gone uh, through a lot of challenging times trying to build and create a comedy scene in our hometown and to uh, help bring it to the workplace and to youth groups and to all all walks of life and so Jared and I have been really great friends um, for a great many years and still 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 into 2020 that's a long time to be buddies so thank you for joining as well Jared okay so I want, um, we're, we're all meeting here through the miracles of technology while everyone's hunkered down in their house during the uh, mandatory lockdown as our global pandemic is sweeping through uh, our community, I guess, at the moment. But um, so I, I want to tee things up. Anybody can participate in here um, talking about like what, why are we driven to seek out personal development? Um, like. What does it mean to you guys? Anyone can chime in here about like, what is, what is the draw? And did you, I'm curious too, like, did you really seek it out on your own? Or did you feel like it was kind of force fed to you? Like, I'm intentionally setting that up um, because, I, I, yeah, anyway, we'll circle back around. But tell me like, what, it, what, what drew you guys to um, seek out books? Or like, what, what's your take on personal development? I'll go. Oh, oh, go ahead, oh Jared. <laughs> After you. Okay, ladies first. I am very open, obviously, about mental health and my own um, living successfully with it and or mental health diagnoses. And I'm also open with my childhood trauma around religion and being force-fed um, very fundamental Christian ideas, um, but, but never really felt like it made sense to me and I now realize late in life it's because I'm very much a scientist um, but also very spiritual so I've kind of from but you know as long as I can remember I've wanted to know all the things and I wanted to know all the things because I wasn't allowed to as a child but it then turned into a way of life so for me everything in life is self-awareness and if that comes from books or um, gurus or or just saying your own things, um, that, that's been my motivation. And it, it's life-changing to be open to it. Cool. Jared, you wanna go next? Yeah, so I, I had a, the, the good fortune when I was a freshman in high school of meeting a man that would change my life. He was my theater teacher and uh, ended up being one of my best friends throughout high school and a mentor. And I came from a good family uh, my parents were very involved in my life, um, very loving, very kind. I was very fortunate that way. Um, and uh, my theater teacher, Stacy Berquist, just augmented my home life. And from, I went on an event when I was a sophomore in high school to a theater convention in Missoula, Montana. And um, I came off the stage after performing 
And I remember knowing at that moment that, that theater and performing was something I was going to do for the rest of my life. And uh, my, my theater teacher had laid the foundation and he had told me early on, he told all of his students this, he said, if, if you want to be a good performer, a, a great actor and a great performer, you need to be a student of life. You need to learn as much as you can about as much as you can. And, and I took that to heart. It's, it's interesting to look back on that and to see how my life has meandered through a lot of different things based on the fact that I'm just trying to learn more about whatever I can. Nice. Okay, cool. Wendy. So uh, just kicking it back to um, Strengths Finders, which you've already brought up. Um, I have both input and learner in my top 10. So I need to know, I'm like Brooke, I need to know all the things. <laughs> like I can go down a tunnel of learning uh, and have to be real careful about making sure I'm doing as well. Um, but I literally remember um, that when I first saw uh, my first self-help book, um, I remember I was in the Hastings on Fairview in Meridian. I know what section of the store that I was in. And the title was so bold that it just drew me to it. And I have probably bought at least 30 or 40 copies of that book and given them out to other people. Um, and that really kind of kicked off everything that I've done since then. It made such a huge impact um, that I, I never wanted to stop learning after that. Nice. Was it the Strengths Finders book or was it a no, different book? It was oh. a different book. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Eight. So when you first put this call out, can you hear me all right? Yeah. When you first put this call out, I uh, self-identified myself as a personal development junkie. <laughs> and uh, that started when I think I was 14 and uh, like Brooke I was also raised in a household where I had to figure a lot of things out on my own so I just wanted all of this information um, but when I was 14 a friend's mom uh, gave me a book it was called Kiss My Tiara and it's actually in my dance studio bathroom right now <laughs> so if you ever need to ever need to read um, uh, but that was the first time that I felt that empowerment. And while uh, these books might be called self-help, um, I think the personal development piece of it is really important. Um, my, my personal favorite uh, right now um, of the personality test is the Enneagram. Oh, if you have heard of it, and I uh, know that I not only need to figure out how to deal with my strengths, but also the things that make me more challenging to work with. The, the Enneagram 8s are challengers. Um, uh, which means that I got some, uh, some traits that could be toxic that I get to work on, which is really important to me. Mm, I love that. That's so good. Leslie. So for me, personal development really started after college because I thought if I went to college and got a degree and got out into the world that I would just shoot up to success and, um, and I didn't feel like I was getting like the mentorship and the information. And so that's what sparked me to go on this path of personal development. And I, and I don't remember the first, you know, book that I bought, but I remember that I had a lot 
and my, I was dating this guy and his friend came over to my house and looked at my bookshelf and was like, I'm really worried about you. Are you okay? And I think that's when I first realized that, you know, not everybody is like that. And I also identify as like a, a personal growth junkie, like somebody else said, or, um, but that's when I first started on the path. And this book club really inspired me to pull out some of the books that I have on my shelf that I haven't read. And so I'm, I'm really excited to kind of get back into it and, and explore and hear what everyone else has to say. So cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, when I, I think I sort of, it took me a while to realize I was super into personal development because I, I somehow I thought stuff had to separate out. Like when I became an adult, I started working in a corporate job. Actually, when I was 18, I started working in a bank and I worked in banking for 10 years. And I remember really specifically feeling like I had to separate my personal life from my professional position. And I hated it, but it felt really like how it came from the top down. And there was a couple of times, um, I remember at some point, uh, several years into being a, a branch manager that they had everyone in the company do the disc assessment. And I loved it. I loved the chance to like have conversations about what makes people tick. And like, that's how I naturally feel like I am. And so it took me longer than I like to admit to just shift and go, no, these things need to be an ongoing thing. Truly to, in my opinion, personal development, focus on our individual self. If everyone was doing that so much more, uh, we'd be so much more productive and have healthier working relationships like if everybody was playing at that level instead of um, some people that have just a real severe lack of self-awareness. And so I, I love that it serves such a great purpose um, for making me a more well-rounded person. I do know that some things I was super stubborn on because I was being told um, certain things I was supposed to work on when my own flaws were being pointed out by someone who was really important in my life. And that person was not taking ownership for things that they were struggling with. Everything was being like, you need to do this. You need to do that. Um, and so one of the things I've also learned along the way is how important it is that when we share our stories, like I think that inspires people to go, oh, well, maybe if that person can do it, then I, maybe I should look into it. Like it needs to be our idea. Because when I finally stepped into certain things and really aggressively these past several years, particularly, I've read or audiobooked lots of different types of um, things specifically around like attachment styles and how we how we function. Um, and because it was something I I finally really wanted to tackle because I know I'm flawed. I know, and then I know I have strengths. And so, um, I think that that's one of the the things I love most about it is that we get to learn and grow and hopefully become champions in the world around us for doing better as we learn how to be better and let it be hopefully a positive influence for other people. And if not, you just, you can't force feed it to people. Um, and like, just as much as I didn't want the idea to be pushed on me. Um, does anyone, I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that too. Like sometimes we, I think the more we, we dive into self-discovery and like really embracing who we are. It makes me really aware of where other people are not quite there yet. And not that I'm like judging it. It just makes me really aware of like how, how I want to interact with people and, and um, what the impact really 
could be in the space of personal development um, as, a, as a more inclusive effort. Does any of that even make sense? Yeah, Wendy. Yeah, uh, so I see it most, um, the biggest place I see it, I guess I should say, is with my adult children. Um, because I've had so much personal growth and it's so important to me and I know what a difference it can make in that, you know, having that mindset shift of taking personal responsibility versus complaining and things like that. Um, so I, you know, I have, I have my son who totally gets it. He's on the same train, you know, wants to talk about personal development books. Uh, and then, and then I have my daughter who is like, if you are going to say something inspirational to me right now, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we're not, we're not going to talk about it then. We're not going to talk about it. I have a right to be mad, mom. Okay. <laughs> have a good time with that. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Brooke. Um, I think going along those same lines, since this has been like a lifelong thing for me, I have a 15 year old and he's, that's all he's known is like my, you need to be self-aware. And so he doesn't know any different, except for the fact that I think he does feel different from his, you know, regular 15 year old friends because he's kind of so self-aware and constantly trying to figure out, like, he'll ask me things like, well, why do you think that girl did that? Or, you know, why do you... And I'm sometimes like, dude, just be 15, like just be 15, which also sucks. But you, you do have to like weigh that with raising your children is like, how much are you just kind of letting them do their thing? And how much are you, you know, kind of trying to be an example, but also like, look, man, you, you, you choose the things you want to choose because that's exactly what I had to deal with as a kid, just in a different way. So it can be good and it can be not so good i guess but it's good that he's so self-aware yeah for sure any other thoughts on that before we dive into your books that are going to get highlighted okay so the way that we're going to do this is i will uh just tee each of you up and then you're going to take several minutes to tell us what book you selected um why were you drawn to that uh if there were any specific either quotes or excerpts that you want to share um, and if there happened to be anything that really felt actionable to you that you implemented or are going to implement um, from your book selection so um, we'll start just for sake of the order here again uh, Brooke if you're ready to just jump on and giddy up first then take it away giddy up so <laughs> I like instructions and lists and logic so thank you for giving me instructions um uncoincidentally i read this book because of megan because yeah i'm a little bit obsessed uh, and i saw her but uh lucky her because it's right here um so i picked you are a badass at making money which is her um this author Jen Cicero, Cicero, I can't pronounce her last name, but she also did a book called You Are a Badass. Um, the reason why this really spoke to me is because I'm a self-employed, sole proprietor, single mom, like money is a huge thing. Now it's huge for everybody, but um, you know, just mindset around it has been something that I've really struggled with, like growing up with people who, you know, talked about money being the root of all evil and and you know, money doesn't grow on trees and, and, you know, all of the things that are just um, 
you know, filtered into you that you have to break through that to be able to get to a point where you love money. I also have, you know, experience like Megan in the corporate world and making tons of money, but like selling my soul for that money. And so it's just always been a deal. And I'll tell you what, I have read and listened to this on Audible three times. Now I did in the car now that I'm not driving much, like I haven't really read much more of it, but this section I'm going to read. And then there's like one other piece, but this is called get real specific. The average person is barely motivated enough to scrape together what they need to make a living with the occasional splurge on impractical yet super cute shoes thrown in there, let alone saddle up to bring in the kind of money that can change their entire perspective of the world they live in. For example, from a frustrating place of limitations to an oyster of awesomeness. I love the writing. Like, this is what really got me. Because these are like things you hear all the time, right? Like, th this is like logical, innate information, but she just puts it in such a great perspective. There's also a section about goats and horses, which is hysterical. Don't get me wrong. Every person has the ability, but you need to have a big burning blaze of desire roaring away beneath your fanny if you're going to take the risks, make the mental shifts, and stay the course until you reach your new sparkly financial reality. In order to inspire ourselves to make money, the exciting kind that we've never made before, we need to be excited about it. And because money on its own is a meaningless pile of paper and coins, you're going to want to get crystal clear about what the money is for, what it means to you, and how it makes you feel. This will be that fire for you. Vague aspirations lead to vague results. Specific aspirations lead to kicking ass. There are a couple reasons for this. Number one, specifics allow the universe to fulfill your order. You wouldn't go to a deli and order a sandwich by saying, hi, yes, I'd like to order a sandwich, please. You'd order the specific kinds you want. Roast beef, mayo, no mustard, pickles, lettuce, tomato on a roll, please. Actually, not that roll. Can I have the bigger roll over there? And you would hence receive the specific sandwich you ordered, and it would make you happy. The universe needs details too. It will respond, it always responds, but if you just focus on how awesome it would be to make more money, you may receive 10 bucks instead of the tens of thousands you would make a that would make a significant change in your life. Specifics create emotions and emotions give us the no-nonsense determination to do whatever it takes to reach our goals. One other thing is when it says, surround yourself with people who have unwavering faith in themselves, in you and our abundant universe which is so many of the people in my life. I could go on, but I won't. So good. Anything specifically actionable that you have implemented from? Definitely. Um, specifically during this time, um, I like Megan, stay home and, and Wendy as well. Like I work from home, I'm a web developer and a tech genius, like she took, oh, and I don't know if you said genius, but I did. Um, my business has not suffered. If anything, it has gotten better because people are home now getting me content for their websites, realizing that in order for them to move forward with their businesses, they need a digital online presence. Um, and so, you know, people are reaching out all over the place. I've expanded business and I need to not feel bad about that. So, um, and not feel bad about Requ requiring what I'm still worth, my value, the price that it takes to hire me 
I am not, I mean, there's been a little bit of leeway where I've had to like take a certain, you know, less down payment, that kind of stuff. But, um, it's, it's a mindset. I I've had to, I've manifested quite a bit of money over the after reading this and because I had to stop feeling bad about it and guilty. That's what always got me was the guilt of I'm allowed to have all this money. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I want to take care of myself and my kid and just not have to worry about things. I struggle with not just anxiety disorder, but panic disorder. And there's so much panic around money for everybody, but it's sometimes crippling. And so once I started realizing that like, and like made it okay to make money and not worry about what's going to happen in the future, it has just stayed the same. Now I'm not saying that like people that, that have brick and mortar stores, just, you know, if you think hard enough, money will come to you. Like that's silly of me to say, but this is my livelihood and I'm not going to feel bad about the fact that it's continuing because it's digital. Right. Cool. Love it. Thank you, Brooke. Wendy, you are up next. All right. So the, the book that um, kind of shoved me into self-development and really changed my entire mindset um, is called Shut Up, Stop Whining and Get a Life. Uh, and it's by Larry Winget. It, that title literally, it was like a shock to my heart. I, I mean, I remember what the book looked like on the shelf. It was, it was, it's such an ingrained moment in my life. Um, and there's just not very many of those, you know, you think of like childbirth, like that's pretty big memory, but this book probably overshadows that, <laughs> that particular moment. Um, it just, I, I think because I was raised in such um, a, a home where I, you know, my mother took care of everything for me. Um, you know, when I moved out, uh, I, I had never buttered my own bread. I had never cut a piece of meat. Um, dishes were only, I only did dishes as a method of punishment. Um, I, I led a pretty charmed childhood in, in that respect as far as, as being taken care of because my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she felt that that was her job uh, to make sure all those things were taken care of. Um, of course, in, in hindsight, she's like, holy crap, I didn't prepare you guys for anything that life had to offer. Um, so I think this was really the first time that anyone had told me that, that figuring my life out was my responsibility. Um, I had always looked for an opportunity for someone to help me, not an opportunity to help myself. Um, and so they, it doesn't, you don't even have to get into the book to really understand what he's trying to teach. I stood there in, in that Hastings that day and, and read just the preface. And what he says is, um, that stood out really strongly to me is, here's my bottom line message. The message you need to understand going into this book. Your life is your own damn fault. Welcome to my world. No excuses allowed. Just go to the mirror look yourself in the eye and say to your own face, this is my own damn fault. No realist success can be achieved until you accept the fact that your life is your fault. You're responsible. Your thoughts, words, and actions created the life you were living. Even on the outside chance that something horrible happened to you that you had nothing to do with, how you react to that event is still your fault. What you do about 
and what you do about it is your fault. It's always your fault. Once you understand that and take responsibility for your life at every level, you will begin to achieve success. That stance is what might, makes my approach different from the others in personal development. I don't believe in blaming or making excuses and I won't listen to whining, complaining, or pointing the finger of blame anywhere other than your own face. You may think that that is a mean, heartless approach, but I assure you it isn't. It's an approach that is rooted in caring and truth and reality. I care enough to tell you the truth so that you will face reality. Mm -hmm. I literally sat down on the floor and read the first four chapters on the floor in Hastings that day. Um, and it literally changed everything for me. I, from that moment on, never, I, I really never looked back. It was the turning point for trying to find an opportunity to create my own success. Um, I went from um, feeling like I had chosen the wrong college degree because at that time I had, I had gotten a degree in graphic design, but I lived in Boise, Idaho. There, you know, in, in the nineties, there were no graphic design jobs here unless you wanted to typeset for the newspaper. Uh, you had to live in LA or, uh, or, you know, New York in order to get those kinds of jobs. So I felt like I had, you know, just made one mistake after another, after another. Um, and, and so I really started to go, okay, if I want to change this circumstance, what can I do to take those steps? And it was less than three years before I had my own real estate license, I was running my own business and, and really kind of changed the entire tra trajectory of my whole life. Oh, I love it. Sometimes we just need that blunt little wake up call and to realize how much yeah. control we actually do have. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that, Wendy. All right, up next, Leslie. Okay, thanks. Uh, so the book that I chose is Ognandino's The Greatest Secret in the World. And the reason why I chose this book is because it's been on my shelf for a long time. And once you put this out there, it was I realized we had to have read the book. And so this was also one of the smallest books on my shelf and I read it last night, but I did know who Og Mandino was. And I don't know if any of you have know who he was. He was homeless and his story is that he was going to commit suicide. And, um, and then right before he did, he either had like some sort of epiphany or thought or something. And so then he went on to becoming like one of the greatest motivational speakers in the world. And so he wrote the book, The Greatest Salesman in the World. And then this is the greatest secret. So basically um, this book, let me see what are, so that's what drew me to the book. And I read it last night. And I thought this was really perfect for me and where I've been with everything that's been happening with the quarantine and the virus and all the, um, everything that's come out of that, you know, all the fear and then the whole e economics behind it. Um, so this is the, the quote that I'll read. It says, for centuries, man believed that his thoughts controlled his actions. Then along came the great psychologist, William James, who said that your actions can control your thoughts and your mood. In other words, if you act happy, you will feel happy. 
If you act enthusiastically, you will feel enthusiastic. If you act healthy, you will feel healthy. And basically what this book is, is there's 10 different scrolls and you're supposed to read each one three times a day for 30 days. And then once you get through the 10 scrolls in 10 months, they say that this is going to like change your life. And so this is before the scroll six. And I'm just going to read maybe like one paragraph what this scroll is. So it says, today I will be master of my emotions. The tides advance, the tides recede. Winter goes and summer comes, summer wanes and the cold increases. The sun rises, the sun sets, the moon is full, the moon is black. The birds arrive, the birds depart. Flowers bloom, flowers fade. Seeds are sown, harvests are reaped. All nature is a circle of moods and I am part of nature. And so like the tides, my mood will rise, my mood will fall. Today I will be master of my emotions. It is one of nature's tricks, little understood, that each day I awaken with moods that have changed from yesterday. Yesterday's joy will become today's sadness, yet today's sadness will grow into tomorrow's joy. Inside me is a will constantly turning from sadness to joy, like exaltation ex, to depression, from happiness to melancholy. Like the flowers, today's full bloom of joy will fade into the winter yeah, I will remember that as today's dead flower carries the seed of tomorrow's bloom, so too does today's sadness carry the seed of tomorrow's joy. And then it goes on, but I read that whole thing and it just was like perfect for what I needed to hear because these last couple weeks have been literally like an emotional roller coaster for me. And I would start the day out feeling hopeful and like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, have a plan of like what I was going to do that day. And then something would happen or I'd hear some news or find out like now we're on a 21 day lockdown. And I felt like my emotions were just ruling me, you know, like I, I would just have like this, um, like breakdown or something. And so this gave me a lot of hope that it's like, um, you know, that it, that it's like, we are emotional beings and that we're going to respond that way. But, but just like Wendy was talking, like we have a choice too, and we're not victims. And so, um, the action that this inspired me is that I am going to, my intention is to, um, read these scrolls, like it says, and try and do the, the 10 months. And what you're supposed to do is read them three times a day, each one for 30 days, and then you go on to the next. And so, I was inspired to do that. Cool. Can't wait to hear you report back in 10 months. <laughs> okay. All right. okay. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. Very cool. All right, Kate, you're up next. So the book that I'm excited to talk about today is Daniel H. Pink's Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. Um, uh, not only for my own motivation struggles and issues, but I also do a lot of coaching, both in a higher ed education university setting, as well as with dance students who are all grown-ups also. Um, I don't work with kids. Um, so grown-ups are fun because we have complex emotions, and uh, especially college students, regardless of their age or place in life, struggle with motivation. What I liked about this particular setup is that uh, Pink 
lays out motivation into kind of 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. Um, and I will read a quick uh, bit of that that kind of talks through how we've worked through history with that. So societies, like computers, have operating systems. A set of mostly invisible instructions and protocols on which everything runs. The first human operating system, call it Motivation 1.0, was all about survival. Its successor, Motivation 2.0, was built around external rewards and punishments that worked fine for routine 20th century tasks, but in the, first but in the 21st century, Motivation 2.0 is proving incompatible with how we organize what we do, how we think about what we do, and how we do what we do. We need an upgrade. Um, and this is where Motivation 3.0 comes in. Um, uh, motivation 2.0 is often referred to in this book as carrots and sticks. So you do the good thing, you get your carrot, um, or wine, or donuts, or whatever makes you happy. Um, and if you do something uh, that you're not supposed to do, you get whacked on the hand with a stick. Um, uh, but a book goes on that says that these external motivators, either reward or punishment, isn't altogether bad, but it's, um, using rewards can really um, diminish creative thoughts, uh, enjoyment, and really lose sight of whatever the task at hand is. Um, so uh, using uh, autonomy, purpose, and drive is uh, related to the task is what it can be used to motivate us. So uh, the notes that I've taken, um, using the drive of why am I doing this task? What is exciting about this task? Um, or even tricking yourself to find joy in the task, like the Tom Sawyer effect, um, which I wish I could go into. There's so much, many things in this book that I could go for. But the idea that with external motivators, like rewards and punishments, really downplays uh, lower performance, lower creativity, um, and also increases in unethical behavior and only produces short-term results. I think about that um, and I've worked on changing really two ways. One, as a business owner and somebody who supervises lots of humans and is responsible for creating a good environment, not just results for my business, um, what can I do to motivate them um, by first paying them well enough, but how do I create this work environment that they're excited to be part of because of the work, not just to get the reward? Um, and two, on a more personal note, um, I've been dancing for a long time. I really, really enjoy teaching dance. Um, that is fulfilling in itself for me, but I have lost my own joy in dance since I started competing about six years ago. So uh, for me, I want to find the joy in the task of simply just dancing again and not to win something, which is still fun, but I need to figure out why I enjoy it again to uh, um, and be motivated by the joy in it rather than the output of getting a shiny medal and being able to say that I am this title holder. Mm, that's so important. Oh, I love all that. Thanks, Kate. Jared, you're up. Maybe. Okay. So I'm going to do mine real quick. Um, let's see if we get him back on the grid here. 
I have been obsessed lately, actually in the past several years, one of the biggest focuses I've shifted to are things, like I mentioned earlier in the show, um, stuff about like our attachments and different issues that we have that are underlying themes of the way that we show up in life. And so one of them that I stumbled upon, um, actually a friend referred to me, um, not by saying you should read this, but he was like, oh, I read this and it was, he's like, it was so powerful, but he was like almost ashamed of it as a guy. And then was like, so he told me that it was life changing for him. And it's called How We Love by um, Milan and Kay Yurkovich, who are both counselors. They both have 20 years of experience. And so this is like a culmination of all types of their, their real um, clients. And it's, this is one of those things that comes along with like a free online quiz where you find out what your primary love style is, um, or is not love, attachment style. So there's the pleaser, the vacillator, the controller, the avoider, and the victim. And everyone has at least some, some capacity on the scale of all of them. You just, of course, tend to have a prominent one. Mine, uh, my two top ones were the pleaser and the vacillator. And I hadn't really ever even heard of the vacillator term before. And so just looking at myself even a little bit closer, because I really truly want to know like how to be empowered by the way that I function so that I can be more um, productive and like not be as stuck on what feels like a weakness. Um, but the two that were interesting, so the pleaser is the number one, which the things that really resonated with me is that um, a lot of these, of course, are what developed as a child, right? A lot of our, the ways that we act are based off of attachments that happened in our very early years, like one to six years or zero to six, I guess, when we're born. And whether we had a positive or a negative, or in some cases, a lack of really either, um, depending on our situation. So for me, a couple of things that really stood out were that a pleaser child does everything they can to be good and to avoid troubling their highly reactive parents. They learn to spend their energy comforting or appeasing their parents instead of receiving comfort themselves. Then as adults, pleasers tend to continually monitor the moods of those around them in attempt to keep everyone happy. Um, it can lead to resentment and emotional breakdown um, and it can make things challenging that would drive a pleaser to leave um, eventually. I'm like, boy, that one goes on. Okay, and then a vacillator is an interesting one too. Um, there's just a little segment in there that I think is, was interesting for me. Without consistent parental affection, they develop feelings of abandonment. And by the time the parents feel like giving attention again, their child is tired of waiting and is too angry to receive it. As adults, vacillators are on a quest to find consistent love they never received as children. They idealize new relationships and then get tired of it once life or the relationship becomes less than perfect. Um, I saw it like hearing some of these things as a really like blatant, I mean, it goes on to say like, not only how do all of these different five categories show up, but what do they look like if there's a vacillator and a victim or a controller and a pleaser? And for me, it became a really eye-opening experience again to dig a little deeper on what makes me tick and how can I be like aware and honor myself and at the same time recognize and honor how other people show up 
And as a mother of four young children, um, some of my biggest takeaways from this actually were to recognize how I can um, pattern the way that I show my affection, the way that I teach my children to work hard, the way that I dialogue around emotions, all of these different things can help equip my kids to hopefully have um, a better shot at being self-sufficient, like in every level, emotionally and in how to interact in the world around them. Um, one of the things that's in the very beginning of the book says, we are not born knowing how to understand and express what is inside our souls. That kind, that kind of knowing ourselves require, requires contemplation and reflection. We have to learn to notice and be aware of our internal experiences to search our hearts and find words for what is inside us. Um, I think for me, it's always really good to be able to have a little bit of a definition behind like some of those feelings of, of why I'm doing things. And then I'm very much like a metaphorical person. So anytime I can hear specific examples or the way that sometimes these energies can show up in nature around us and different things um, just kind of continue to help me feel like I'm a little bit more on my game because I notice if I'm behaving, um, you know, like if, if my vacillator side is showing, like not that it's a bad thing, just to know a little bit more how to work with it um, and have it be a positive thing. One thing I would note about this book um, was something that I observed is that there's actually some like scriptural references. These folks are Christians um, and another big shift I've had in my past few years is my own take on religion and how that has impacted my life in the past, what the positives and the negatives were. Um, and so it, I thought it was kind of cool to also see that my evolution of self um, has allowed me to detach from the crutch. I think that I found sometimes in religion of doing things because I thought I was supposed to. Um, so that was kind of like a little byproduct of like learning about myself, but also recognizing that the messaging was in there. And um, so I think the book is still is, is actually super powerful and maybe maybe more so for people who have had a religious influence at some point in their lives. Um, but it's either way, I think it's fun to take those fun, like the quizzes and keep implementing different things that we know about. And so you can take a free online test at howwelove.com to see like what your um, attachment style is and, and, and pick and pick and see the different ways, like how does that affect the way that we show up at work and how does that affect our, obviously like our romantic um, space is one that they talk on a lot, but a lot of that has to, I mean, all of it really, for me, it has to start with me. Otherwise the interactions with other people, they're always gonna go sideways if it's not something where we can live in a healthy place uh, starting with ourselves. So, um, okay, I think Jared's back online here. We'll have you take your turn with your book, please, sir. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, Megan, you love shoes, right? Yes, I do. You have some awesome kicks. I mean, I, you, I got, there's tons of pictures out there. I've seen you in awesome shoes and they just make you feel a certain way, right? Some shoes just make you feel fabulous. Some shoes make you feel athletic. I think we all remember the experience when we were kids, when we got a new pair of kicks and we were like, now I can run faster than everybody else. And I, I, I read this book that was recommended to me by a friend in New Zealand and it kind of, it, it hearkened me back to those days when I was a youngster and the book was called uh, The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman. And I, I wanna, I, so I have a part of it here that I just wanna read. Let me see if I can pull it up. 
my internet is down, so I'm doing this on my phone because I had it on Kindle. Uh, let's see, there it is. Okay, so right from the first chapter, uh, he says, uh, this is him talking, this is Todd Herman. So he says, standing in the green room looking at my notes, I waited to be called on stage before a crowd of coaches from the world of sports. As I was reviewing my presentation, a man built like a powerful bulldog walked into the room. I'd played him on Nintendo as a kid. He strolled over to me with a big smile, reached out and said, hi, I'm Bo Jackson. I laughed, I laughed and said, hi, I'm Todd Herman. I know who you are, Bo. I'd probably lose all credibility if I worked in sports and didn't know the only two sport all-star in the pros. Plus you helped me win a lot of Tech Mobile games. He chuckled and said, yeah, you're not the first to say that. And thanks, are you speaking today too? Yeah, I'm up next, I said, uh, but uh, maybe I just got bumped for you. He said, no, you're good. I just came early to see a friend. So what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the mental game, but specifically, I'm going to share with everyone how to use alter, ego, alter egos and secret identities to perform at your best. Immediately, he cocked his head to the side slightly, squinted his eyes as if someone had just struck a deep chord inside of him and then smirked. He shook his head. After a few seconds, he said in a hushed, serious tone, Bo Jackson never played a down of football in his life. Now, if you don't know Bo Jackson, he's the only athlete in the big four of major North American sports to be an all-star in two of them, Major League Baseball and the National Football League. He was a phenom who transcended sports in the 1980s and for a sports-loving kid like me, a superhero. My eyes widened as I smiled and I said, okay, interesting, tell me more. Bo went on to explain how, as a youngster, he had challenges containing his emo emotions and would get into a lot of trouble because of his anger. Often he'd get caught up in the competition and he'd retaliate against even the smallest perceived slights, causing him to get hit with unnecessary penalties. One day though, as he was watching a movie, he, be, he became fascinated by the unemotional, cold and relentless nature of Jason. Does that name ring a bell? Jason was the hockey mask wearing killer on the Friday the 13th movies. At that moment during the movie, he resolved to stop being Bo Jackson and start being Jason on the football field, leaving the uncontrollable rage on the sidelines. Bo went on to explain how Jason only lived on the field, and when he walked out of the locker room and reached the football field, Jason would enter his body and take over. Take over. Suddenly, the hot-headed, penalty-prone, easy-to-provoke Bo Jackson transformed into a relentless, cold, and disciplined destroyer on the football field. Channeling a different identity helped him focus every ounce of his talent and skill and enabled him to show up on the field without any emotional issues interfering with his performance. So, uh, I, <laughs> in addition to being a, a performer, I, I love sports. I grew up, I, I, don't, I don't have sporty parents. They, my dad maybe ran track in high school, but it wasn't like I was shocked shoved into baseball or anything like that. It was all stuff that I had to do myself, but I loved it. I loved the aspect of competition. And I, so I, I played sports all the way through high school. And then I read this book and as a sport loving guy, it just resonated with me and it clicked with me. And Todd goes on to talk about how he trains people to look at the aspects of their life where they are facing challenges. And then to find, he has two things. So, well, he has a couple of different things. One is, uh, he calls it a phone booth, right? It's, it, it, Clark Kent steps into a phone booth, changes, and he comes out Superman. So, 
how do we identify our phone booth? What is that transition period? Is it when we take off for work, when we walk out our front door, is that our phone booth and we become the relentless CEO driven person that is running you know, a multi-million dollar company or is it the reverse? Is it when we come home and we cross the threshold into our home and we become the loving parent uh, and, and nurturer that our kids need? Um, so that's one is the phone booth. And then he talks about uh, a token. So having something that when you hold it or touch it or somehow interact with it, it can aid you in the transformation process. Um, shoes are a great example of this. Sometimes when you put on a pair of shoes, you just feel like I can do anything in these shoes. I have a pair of shoes right now that when I go and I lift weights, if I'm wearing that pair of shoes, I always feel like I can do better than I did last time. And it's just a pair of shoes. It's silly. But for me, I mean, it, it's that getting into a zone and the shoes just help that. Uh, so there's uh, the phone booth, there's a token, and then there's obviously the character. So building out a character that is going to aid you to accomplish the goals that you're struggling with in your life. And he walks through that process of identifying that person for you, or it could be an animal. Um, he gives you a number of different tools uh, to enable this alter ego in your own life in whatever areas you're struggling with. And there's a ton of things that I struggle with in my life. I mean, I think one of the things that we as people that are pursuing becoming better people identify very quickly is that there are a lot of things that we struggle with, right? We have a lot of flaws. And as humans, we all do. Um, I think we are more prone to notice those and see those just as people that are seekers and want to learn and understand. Um, so it's been an interesting process to go through those aspects of my life and say, all right, is this something where I can create an alter ego and be a different person in order to accomplish what I want or change the results that I'm getting in this area? I noticed a while ago that when I interact with my family, I'm a completely different person than when I interact with most other people. When I step on stage to host an improv show or MC something, I'm a different person. And I'd, I'd never put a name to it, but after reading this book, I realized that I'm stepping into an alter ego in order to do those things at a, at a higher level than, than I normally act. Anyway, so that's, that's the project that I'm working on right now in my life is, is identifying those areas where I need to improve and then developing alter egos that will help me accomplish the goals that I have in, in, mm. in those areas. Interesting. That's a cool yeah. take on stuff. I like that. Um, well, we are on the home stretch here, just a couple more minutes. Did anybody have any thoughts that came up while we listened to each other or just thoughts in general about personal development? Yeah, Kate. I think it's important for anybody seeking out any kind of personal development to remember that it's not just listening to one, two, three, four, five. There's six of us here today, six little excerpts from books and be like, I am a changed person. Um, maybe it's a good, I, I think it's absolutely a great place to start, but remembering to give ourselves the grace that it, it takes time and effort and energy and it's okay to take time and effort and energy to do this. Yeah. I could not agree more. And to like, like the evolution kind of continues, like to give, I feel like a really important thing I've learned 
is to allow myself the freedom to even change my own opinion about things as I've gathered more information, to be really patient and graceful with myself when like something can even be more effective. So even when I thought I made some massive improvement improvements, learning more information actually has still continued to shift. And so it really is like an ongoing, an ongoing quest as well. Uh, who else? Any other thoughts out, floating out there, Jared? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think personal development is not a journey with a destination at the end. It's just, it's ongoing and you have to learn to love the journey and learn to love the learning about yourself and about those around you and the whole process because you're never going to get to where you're complete and you're whole. You can learn to love yourself and transform your life in ways that are positive, but there's always things that we can do better. That's the cool part is that it's, you have to love the journey because it's never going to end if you're doing it right. Uh, yeah, that's so good. Leslie. Well, I just was thinking, you know, sometimes I would read these books and there's a lot of really great ideas and it can be overwhelming. And so sometimes um, one suggestion that was given to me after going to a work conference is to just pick your most favorite thing and implement one thing, you know, like take one action. And then once you've got that, then you can do the next because otherwise sometimes it, like you can read the books and it can be like, oh, that'd be great if I could change you know, these 15 things about myself all at once, and then you get overwhelmed and then you stop. And so if you just kind of take it in little bite-sized pieces and implement it that way, then it, then that's what's, that's what's helped me in the past. Mm, yeah. Very important. Wendy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this, it reminds me of, I had a challenge not hold. <laughs> he has something to say too. <laughs> I'll probably edit this little part out. That is my crazy life on all day. <laughs> um, but it reminds me, not this year, but last year, I had an opportunity to be part of a group where we challenged ourselves to read a book a week for the first 12 weeks of the year. Um, and I am a freakishly avid reader like I, I read in the morning I read in you know in the afternoon I read every night like I just read all the time um so I thought that was awesome um and and I read all 12 books in the week uh you know that we had to do that um but when I was done I couldn't remember why I had read anything about I was just like oh that's that's awesome that's an awesome accomplishment that I can say I read a book a week for 12 weeks but what did I actually gain so I think making sure that you are not just reading the material but taking the time to journal about it if that's your thing or taking a section and uh, like Leslie was talking about in hers like reading the same thing over and over and over again for 30 days so that it really kind of gets instilled into what your habits are. I think all of those things make a big difference in just reading the material or actually making change in your life. Mm. Yes, so much of that. Yeah, Brooke. It'll be a, a little bit of a curveball, but these discussions get me really thinking about and not even thinking about super motivated to finish writing my book of 
15 years that people keep telling me, write your story, write your story and hearing, you know, or even reading other people's stories. It's like, yeah, I think people would get something out of my experiences, you know, years ago. So not just gleaning information and self-awareness and all of that from other people's stories, but really finish. Cause I saw some statistic the other day that like 90% of the world wants to write a book and 10% actually do it. So mm -hmm. challenge accepted. Nice. Finished, I guess. Oh, that's so good. I love it. Brought it all kind of full circle because the power of us reading other people's stories and experiences, no doubt whatever story we've experienced is going to resonate and potentially help other people who stumble upon our book or story. Um, awesome. Well, thank you all so much for taking time to join me on this virtual book club. Uh, can't wait to um, share it with the listeners. I super duper appreciate it. Thanks again. Be safe. Do awesome things. I admire you all for your uniqueness that you bring into the world. And thank you for sharing with me and my listeners. Thanks, You're so guys. cool. Thank You're so cool. Love you all. Be Love you. Thanks for listening to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. You can follow along with all of Megan's shenanigans at meetmeganbryant.com. I'm Sean Hancock with RecycledMindsComedy.com.